Today's reading is 1 Peter chapter 2. Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen and precious in God's sight, so you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I lay in Zion a stone, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. To you who believe, then, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, and to this they were appointed. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, to proclaim the virtues of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from the desires of the flesh which war against your soul. Conduct yourselves with such honor among the Gentiles, that though they slander you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to the king as the supreme authority, or to governors as those sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorance of foolish men. Live in freedom, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Treat everyone with high regard. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Servants, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but even to those who are unreasonable. For if anyone endures the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God, this is to be commended. How is it to your credit if you are beaten for wrongdoing and you endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they heaped abuse on him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats, but entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his stripes you are healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is God's word. There is so much more to following Christ than spending eternity in heaven. An eternity with Christ is important, of course. But believing in Christ has immediate effects on our lives today. This chapter described the sense of purpose that following Jesus gives to us in this life. It begins with the community that we now have in Christ. He is the foundation, the cornerstone of the new group that we are part of, according to verse 4. 
When we come to him in faith, he not only saves us, but he assembles us and all the other believers into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, according to verse 5 in the NIV. And why? So that we together will offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Verses 9 and 10 go on to describe the new nation that God is forming through all of us in Christ. We belong to Christ and are part of that people now, but for what purpose? For this purpose, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's the NIV's reading. When unbelievers interact with us, they should see the greatness of Christ, his love, his mercy, his power to change lives, and more, working in our lives. Part of this, of course, is our moral growth, which verses 11 and 12 talk about, through the Lord's work in us. As we move away from sin and toward holiness in our lives, people will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us, according to verse 12b. That idea of glorifying God on the day he visits us is another way to talk about evangelism. It is the conviction that our walk with God, our community with one another, and our witness for Jesus will be used by God to bring more people into the fold and that they will be looking for the coming of Christ along with us. That's what the part about glorifying God on the day he visits us means. That people will be saved through our witness and then when Christ comes, they'll glorify God on that day. Now the rest of this chapter applied this specifically to our relationship to the government in verses 13 through 16, our relationship to other people in general in verse 17, and how those who were slaves related to their slave owners in verses 18 through 25. It is amazing to think that following Christ can bring purpose to a person's life, even when that person is owned as a slave by someone else. Thankfully, none of us is in that kind of bondage. But if slaves can find purpose as slaves through faith in Christ, how much more should we who know Christ as free men and women live lives of purpose for Jesus? Do you think much about your reason for living? As you go about your work, live in your neighborhood, and talk with others around you, does your faith show? God has embedded you as his agent in your workplace, your family, in our community, and more. What will he do through us if we remember our purpose and live in ways that glorify him? Think about that today, and I'll see you next time. May God bless you.